Hello and welcome to episode number three of the Blueprint Podcast. My name is Kyle Kuyat and thank you so much for joining me today. Tell you what, this is your first time listening. You're going to love this episode. We have an interview with Kevin Corhorn of Corhorn Financial Group. Kevin and his team consist of over 77 people. They serve thousands of clients. And one of the things that they focus on is delivering financial wisdom and also incorporating strong values into everything that they do. And speaking of value and values, you are going to get a ton of value out of today's episode. I selfishly was able to do so just from talking to Kevin. So in today's episode, we talk about how he's built up himself, his team, as well as his business. So without any further ado, let's get right on into it. You're listening to The Blueprint Podcast. Blueprints for the future. You got the blueprints? The blueprints. Designed to give financial professionals the roadmap to where they want to take themselves and their business. I like the sound of that. Yeah, yeah, me too. Our mission is to arm you with knowledge from thought leaders and other professionals who've mastered their craft so you can build a better practice. So listen now, act after, and enjoy the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Blueprint Podcast. My name is Kyle Kuyat, and today I'm joined by my co-host, as always, Billy Hopkins. Billy, welcome. How you doing, Kyle? We're doing excellent. We are very excited today because we have our first advisor interview on the Blueprint Podcast, and his name is Kevin Corhorn. Kevin, welcome to the show. We're happy to have you. Thanks, Kyle. It's, a, it's an honor to be here. Buddy, how are you? I'm doing well, Billy. Good to see you, my man. Hey, man. It's good to see you again. So we're going to get into Kevin's story a bit today, but if this is your first time listening, just as a quick refresher, our mission is to give advisors like you the roadmap to where they want to take themselves in their business and in their personal life. And we do that by bringing on thought leaders, sharing their own experiences and interviewing very successful advisors like Kevin here. So we're excited to get into it. Kevin, just give some people some background, right? We have a lot of new listeners, and obviously this is a a fairly new show, but this is not anything new for you. You've been doing this for a while and had a lot of success. So tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your story and, and how you got started in business. Yeah, thank you. So I am, uh, I'm 53 and I live in Southern Michigan. I live in Michigan and I work in Indiana. Um, and I'm part of a multidisciplinary financial services firm. So we, we, have, uh, we have five offices and 77 people on our team, um, two in Michigan, three in Indiana, as far as the offices go. And I have been doing this since 1994. So um, I have a degree in finance. And um, I, as soon as I graduated high school, I spent three years in the Army and four years at Central Michigan University. And then I've been, I started at, at American Express Financial Advisors. And um, that was a place where you could get started. And they, their idea was you charge a small financial planning fee and you use that to get clients financially undressed. And then you cram a bunch of mediocre house products down their throat. And um, I, I thought, I, I, as I was doing that, I, I just never felt really good about it, but I loved the financial planning aspect. And I realized for most people, the situation was if, if you were going to make it, you couldn't stay at American Express. So I was there, um, and then I transitioned from American Express to um, Securities America, which they were, um, Securities America was owned by American Express at the time. And um, that freed me up to pursue some of my entrepreneurial ambitions. Um, and so I was able to start a tax and accounting firm, um, start an insurance agency doing home auto and commercial, and um, start a retirement plan department where we do 401ks, 403bs, 
um, simple areas, a number of different uh, ways that we serve business owners and take care of their employees. So, um, so I, we, I've been going at this for uh, 28 years and um, I love it. I think financial planning is the greatest job in the history of jobs. And if you, um, if it's your calling, and I talk to my team all the time about a job, a career, and a calling, but this is your calling because um, it is a very jealous lover. I mean, you, you, this this is not an easy thing to do. If this was easy, everyone would be doing it. There won't be any money in it. Um, but it is it is really just a great um, a great thing to do. I tell my children um, frequently, like if you want to be happy in this life, serve people. And um, this is a, we get to serve people all day, every day. It's just a blessing. It's so cool. So that was probably one of the more interesting things because Ke uh, Kevin has spoken at some of our several conferences and things like that. And that was kind of one of the things I, I took from, uh, from his presentation was, was the, the approach that they take to the individual and that their end goal is to inevitably serve those those clients through uh, some sort of comprehensive solution and uh, really had probably one of the more unique business models that I'd come across. How many employees do you have? So uh, across the four teams and, and with some corporate folks as well, we have 77 employees as of today. And that that's changed. Um, this may be interesting to some folks. And we, we had 37 employees in the fall of 2017. So we've grown a, a pretty good number uh, as far as our employees go. And the, what happened was we uh, embraced EOS. So EOS stands for Entrepreneurial Operating System. So if you have a business right now, you have an operating system, whether you've uh, codified it and declared it or not. And so uh, there's a guy named Gino Wickman who's written a number of books. He's written Traction, Get a Grip, how to be a great boss, what the heck is EOS. Um, I, have, I have all of his books and, and anyway, so he's got a system that we use to run the business and um, it, is, it is just magical. I mean, it is, it is so good. Um, and so that, that's been a huge, I mean, we've talked as we were preparing for today about various pivot points and that was in 2017, that pivot point um, and that our revenue is, is up uh, 1.5, uh, since then wow. so can so can i kind of delve on that a little bit kevin so you know 2017 you're you had is it just still you and a handful maybe yeah so we i'm gonna say we probably had seven certified client facing certified financial planners and then we had the teams so we had the tax and accounting team we had the insurance agency we had the retirement plans department but we we were um we we're not a, a full version of what we were capable of being. And so one of the issues right now that we are facing is the, I'm just going to call it the labor shortage. Um, there are not enough people to do what we need to do. And so we've been striving to figure out how do we build new advisors from the ground up. And so in my career, I, I, I've lost count, but I think I've given birth to over 40 certified financial planners and so we you know we bring folks on we pay for their education we get them certified some folks stay some folks don't i don't really care we're trying to change the world we got a mission um everyone that's a part all 77 people that are at corehorn financial group are employees it's a, it's a different business model i was at the american express in that model and you know there was always kind of infighting over 
hey, you know, I know Billy Hopkins from church. What are you doing working from hit with him? You know, he belonged to me. I should be working with him. And I'm like, okay, what I look, I don't want it. So he, the cool thing is we're all part of the same team and our goals, we all have goals and that we're, we're paid a bonus on, but the goals are all team goals. So our individual goals uh, aggregate up to group goals, but we either hit them as a group or don't. And so, so we're, because I believed that, that, that it, until you are paid a salary, um, this is not going to be a profession. So we start kids right out of school, right out of college at 45 grand, and we very quickly um, get them up it, uh, as high as we can, as quickly as we can, um, so that uh, we're not dealing with, we've, we've had a number of kids go across the street to make a couple more bucks. And so we've just said, hey, look, they're most vulnerable uh, in the early years, because um, you'd love to pick off a, a, a guy with three years of experience in a CFP um, and pay him 60 grand. So now you can pick that guy off from my team, but you got to pay him 90 grand. It's funny, we, Billy and I were talking about that in our last episode. We talked about how do you go from being a financial professional to having a, a planning firm, right? And, and really you have more than a planning firm at this point, you have, you cover all bases. And we also talked about hiring people as far as going out to find that seasoned professional, which obviously, as you mentioned, it's going to cost you double basically than, than giving birth. And like what you said, giving birth to CFPs, that's a, that's a great tagline there. But I guess take it back even one step further than 2017, whenever it was just you at one point, how did you then make that transition? Obviously, a lot of it's mental. And, and at some point, you had to have that system, whether it was your own system where Kevin was doing every single thing to then how do you divvy that up? But I think a lot of advisors are either in that they're their own person or maybe they have a partner or maybe an admin and that's about it. But they wanna be where you even were in 2017, let alone where you are today. So if you take it back to that step, if you were you know sitting across the table from that advisor, what advice would you give them on how to take that approach in today's world? I tell them to hire a coach. Um, I, again, if we look at pivot points in my career, November 11th, of 1997 was my first uh, day-long coaching meeting at the Strategic Coach. Mm -hmm. And so um, I, Dan Sullivan wrote a book called The 21st Century Agent. And I read it in 1995 and I said, oh my, this is amazing. This is kind of groundbreaking uh, thinking here. And so if I ever get a chance, and they reached out to me and you know, the, the, the minimum, uh, to get in the program at the time, you had to have $100,000 of revenue. And um, and um, I was just short of that. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, and I'm did, you, did you round up, Kevin? Did you round up? <laughs> but, you know, I, I justified it by, you know, my grandpa lied, lied about his age to go fight in World War II. Um, so I lied about my income to join the coaching program. Because I'm like, <laughs> I know I can make a hundred grand. I just don't know how I, I need right. coaching. And so out of that coaching program from then on my, my revenue doubled every year for the next four years. And then it, um, and then it's continued to just uh, take a trajectory and we did a 10 times mind expander where I said, Hey, how do you get 10 extra revenue in 10 years? And doing that uh, exercise was one of the most impactful things I've ever done in my career. And um, I, I did that from 1998 to 2008, almost to the penny, uh, 10x my revenue. And so, but it's, it's it, it, for most people, their thinking is that is their problem. Like, it, like what's, 
what's the barrier? It's, it's, I, I am the problem. It's my thinking. And so that's where if you can work on your thinking and then you have to just determine, look, am I willing to, if, the, if I deem that as success, right? I, successful can be just me working out of my house. It could be right. me and a gal at halftime at the front desk. That could be success, you know, just depends on what you're trying to do. And it's one of the things I love about this business is there's no, you, you know, success is kind of in the, the eye of the beholder. But I didn't want that. I, I wanted to, um, I didn't want to have a job. I want to have a business. And so in order to have a business, that means I can go and be gone 12 weeks a year like I am. And uh, it runs like clockwork. And I, I don't worry about it. Um, right. I, I have, I'm not a, um, there's more to me than just this, the business, even though I love it. And so what I did is I, I just got really, really curious about how would you build a team that could serve clients? And I always believed if I, as the rainmaker, was do, did the right number of appointments every week, there'd be plenty of money with some left over to pay all the staff and to grow the business. And that's just the model that we've been working on. Um, so I hired my first full-time person in, in 1998, and she was a gal that had gone to the financial planning um, degree program at Purdue. She came to American Express, she was failing. And I said, Sherry, I need, I need someone full-time. You could do it. it. What you're doing right now isn't working. Um, and I can only pay you six bucks an hour. So like 12, a salary of 12 grand. Um, and that was when I was grossing 58 grand. And so uh, she said yes. And then she was, she was key to, um, she was kind of the, the genesis of building a team. And then I just, I've always kept my lifestyle fairly Spartan because I don't, um, you know, I, I didn't grow up with much money. I don't really give a rip about money. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I get a lot more joy out of building a business and watching this thing grow than I do out of uh, any kind of pampering I would do on my own self. So, so obviously, you know, the reason I want to do this podcast and the reason that I really wanted to run a brokerage firm instead of a personal practice is I, I'm very, that curiosity that you mentioned is in me and it's really how do financial professionals do what they do? How do they run their business? How do they take their unique ability and run, you know, drive, drive it into some sort of bigger organization. But, you know, you kind of talked about changing people's lives. So I get excited about the industry because I know that the brokerage industry, what's 125 years old, but the financial planning part of that is really only 25 or 30, right? Yep. So, you know, how do you guys, how did you guys run a, um, run your profit formula with your clients? Tell me, tell me how you structure your, your practice now. Is it, is it planning plus? Is it, is it, um, you know, kind of where, where, do, where do the grooves in, in your, in your uh, profit formula work? So we do financial planning for a fee. And so I just met with a client this morning. He's, he just uh, retired from Plant Moran. He's a partner there. And um, I, I quoted him a financial a range for his financial planning fee for the first year, somewhere between four and 12,000. Um, and that's on the low end. I mean, if you go to a bigger city, he'd he pay more than that. But we charge for financial planning because, um, as I told him, you know, people are like, oh, I, you know, I did, I'll, I'll manage your investments and get paid over there, and I'll just throw in the financial planning. And if you do formal financial planning, analyzing the six areas of CFP, you don't throw it in. It's way too hard. It's too tight. Because really, the most profitable thing, if you said, hey, I want to run the most profitable business in the world, what would I do? 
just go bring in money. Bring in money, have someone else manage it for you. You will be ridiculously profitable. But I've, we've said from the very beginning, the product of Corehorn Financial Group, like if you came here, what are you buying? What are, what are we, it, it's, it is financial wisdom delivered in the context of a financial plan. So Billy, you come in and say, hey, I, I, need, uh, I need some health insurance. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm 62 and I got to get the next three years to Medicare. Well, you know, what should I do? I'm like, you don't have a health insurance problem. You have a financial planning problem. And Kyle's like, hey, should I get the, should I do the HSA plan at work? And, and you know, you don't, it, it, it's, it's, not, it, it's not a tax planning problem. It's a financial planning problem. So we believe like the very core, our heart is to do financial planning. And so in last year, we built out uh, 1.34 million in financial planning fees. And I think our goal this year is 1.5. So we actually do financial planning and charge for it. So that's one component of what we do. And then we also uh, manage money. And I, I think we're like 653 million, something like that. So do you charge an ongoing fee as we well do. as an initial fee? We do. It's kind of like someone who goes to the dentist. Like if you go to the dentist today and they take x-rays and clean your teeth and they say, hey, Bill, you're fine. You don't say, cool, I'll see you in 30 years. Right? <laughs> it, it's ridiculous on its face. You're like, no. I get. And here's the thing. People's financial lives, there's a major life change in your financial life every 18 months. And the problem is it doesn't happen like that. It happens, boom, I have three huge changes and I'm trying to recover from, from them and then nothing changes for for three years. But, th but this is where if, if I'm going to be the trusted advisor and sell financial wisdom, I've got to be in my client's financial life. So typically the way that that breaks down for a normal client is we prepare their taxes. This year we'll prepare uh, somewhere around 4,000 tax returns. So not, not every client that we prepare a tax return for is a financial planning client. But we, we meet with our financial planning clients in the spring, we deliver their tax return, we, get, we do an investment update, and we say, hey, this is, this is, these were our strategies last year. This is, these are how they manifested themselves within your tax uh, uh, return here. And then we do a fall meeting. In the fall meeting, we do a tax projection. And we also then look at the retirement plan. And then on alternating years, we either hit their estate plan, uh, doing a beneficiary audit and a number of other administrative things there, or we do an insurance review. So this is where once a client, because in the first year, the, the reason why it costs so much in the first year is there could, there's somewhere between um, say six and 10 meetings. In the second year, if we've done our job well and laid the foundation properly, we've got rails to run on, um, it would be two meetings. And so the first year, um, somewhere, it, typically between five and 10 grand for the financial plan. And if you're listening and you think, oh my, that's too much, um, you have an all access pass, come to Granger anytime, watch us put together a financial plan. And that's the best thing. We don't quote the financial, we give them a range, clients a range, we don't quote the fee until we've done the work. And I'm telling you, by the time you've done the work, like, oh my word, this is an $8,500 fee. Um, and so, um, there's a lot of work to creating a financial plan. We create, we use e-money um, to 
aggregate all of our client stuff. So the first meeting is a needs analysis meeting. The second meeting is not with me. It's with one of our junior advisors, and that's a connections meeting. So they're connecting their entire life to Wealth Vision. We're also setting them up with LastPass. So they pay for that, it's 36 bucks a year, but no one has a digital uh, password manager. And that's a, that's a serious component of your estate plan right now. Um, so if you don't have one, I'd say go and get LastPass for 36 bucks a year and then use that exclusively. So we set them up with LastPass. We use box.com as, as our digital uh, shared storage. So we, set, we're, we, set, we get clients all set up to, to operate in our systems. And then the next meeting is a financial snapshot meeting where we tell them this, these are the things that we can do to help you and this is what it costs. And um, um, we just, uh, we, people say yes to it. I mean, they, it, it, and so if you're, again, if you're listening and you think, no way, it, yeah, way, we'll show you. I mean, I, I would show, I'll show anyone anytime. I'm, I'm a huge believer in financial planning. Interesting. So a lot of, I mean, there, there's a lot of questions that can spark from that. I would say probably one of the main things is uh, there's probably a lot of advisors that want to charge a planning fee, or maybe they occasionally charge a planning fee, but they have a book of business of clients that have never received a planning fee from them or never, have never, have never paid that fee. Right. So I guess the first question is a, for that advisor that wants to transition to start to charge planning fees, because they know, Hey, it, it's an integral part of my business. It's, it's a huge value add I can provide for my clients, but unfortunately I've been giving it away and maybe they haven't obviously done it to the level that you provided to the client, but maybe they want to start that process. A, how do they do so? And B, how do you quantify that value? And I think I already know the answer to this question, but I would like to hear it from you. It's how do you quantify the value of planning to a client that's maybe only coming to you for, for X or, to, or for something, right? They're only coming to you for their retirement, but obviously there's these other, there's all these other categories as far as obviously a holistic plan for plan goes that they don't even think about. So how do you bring that to the table without doing, I guess, all of the work on the front end or too much of the work on the front end? And, and how would you translate that to a client? So then they, they obviously, they, they do buy it. Uh, rather than kind of just thinking they only need one other thing. I know that's a couple questions convoluted in one, but I'd like to hear your thoughts. No, that's good. I mean, with a, with a new client, you're, you're listening. You want to listen and see what, where are their pain points. And then um, for us, that stuff has to be solved within the context of a financial plan. Because if all I'm doing is operating in a vacuum, anything can make sense, right? So if all I'm doing is, is looking at the um, tax planning piece, I would say, well, Billy, you got to max out your 401k at work. And, uh, you know, that for sure, that's uh, in retirement plan, uh, that area, yep, that you got to do that. And then I can show you how to invest that. But if that doesn't work in your present financial position, it's bad advice. And so the only way you can give good advice, again, in my humble opinion, is to walk clients through the financial planning process. And so that's, that's what you tell clients you're going to do. And I think the best way to understand the value is just, is, is just start in, in, in charge of a fee. And that's too small. Um, because when you're sitting there grinding out the work, it's, it'll hurt your feelings and, it, and you'll, you'll resolve to not do it again. Um, and so it, it, but it is, it might be a little intimidating and, and a little bit scary. And you might think, well, wait a minute, if uh, 
if the client says, I don't want to hire you to do financial planning fees, then do I just make a grab for the assets? And I wouldn't. Because I, I, here's the thing. You win them to what you win them with. Okay? So if I win them with uh, investment performance, that's what I've won them to. Well, guess what? I'm going to have a pretty sucky phone call uh, <laughs> talking about yeah. your performance in 2022 yeah. as of today. So, so here's the thing the, 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 you know, we are financial wisdom merchants. That's what we're vending. And we're, we're not vending uh, better returns than the next guy. We're not, because the reality is that it, that's, a, that's, that's fool's gold. It's a losing game. So what we do is we say, no, 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 you got to do um, financial planning. Because I really don't, we don't work with folks that don't do financial planning. Because I know this, the relationship won't last. It's and it's too hard. Yeah, it's it's way too hard to serve those folks over the long term, and they and most in the and they won't be happy. So that's where we say, all right, we're gonna if we if we win them to what we win them with, we're gonna win them with financial planning. They'll, if they say yes to financial planning, then we are partners. Uh, it's a marriage, and we're partners for the long term. So Kevin, what uh, what are your goals for the next five, ten years? Where do you see where do you see uh, Core and Financial Group going? So in our in our Vision Traction Organizer, which is a component of the uh, traction tools with EOS, we have a ten year target, and so um, we one of the one of the components of that target is a revenue target. Um, when we started with EOS, we were at, I think four point three million. Um, last year we did a fuzz over 10, so that was from 17 to 21, and um, our our target in 2028 is to be at 25 million. Um, that that's not going to make my life, you know, two and a half times better than it is today, um, but it will. It is a measurement of how many people we're serving, and we want to have 2,000 premier clients. So for us, a premier client is someone who does financial planning. We serve their, with them with their home auto and umbrella insurance, and then we prepare their taxes. So if we do those three things for them, um, they're a premier client. And so we want to have 2,000 of them. And it's a challenge because we work with a lot of Amish people, and we joke about the, the Amish premier client because they, <laughs> they will do financial planning with us, and we can prepare their taxes, but they have their own insurance program. Like, you know. <laughs> You know, if my barn burns down, you know, Billy and Kyle are showing up to rebuild my barn and I don't pay insurance. <laughs> and so um, we joke about having Amish premier clients and we serve a lot of Amish folks. They, they have more complicated financial lives than um, most English folks, as they would call us. But um, yeah, so that's what we want to have. We want to have uh, 25 million in revenue. And, and I, you know, it's, it's strange. I'm not terribly connected to the revenue thing. Like I, I'm, I just, I feel so blessed and, and uh, sometimes almost guilty. Um, for having as much fun as I do at work and getting paid to do it. Um, so, but what that does is it allows us to do things like build trellis. So we are, because if you think about it in terms of trellis and vine, like trellis for us is infrastructure. And what we really want to do is scale results, not people. But at the end of the day, we are a, a, a people training organization. And so we just need to train and train and train and train people. And then we need to to continue to enhance our technology 
because technology, if you, um, the, I, a friend of mine uh, referred me to a guy named Jeff Booth. He wrote a book called The Price of Tomorrow. He's fascinating, but he talks about how technology is going to eat everything and drive everything to zero. And if you say, well, give me an example of that. I'm like, well, I don't know. The, the um, I don't know, the, you know, the 84-inch TV that I just bought that weighs 15 pounds um, versus the, you know, the $3,000 plasma TV that I bought 15 years ago that weighed about 16,000 pounds and I needed four <laughs> guys to help me carry it to my basement. Again, yeah, no, technology is making everything better. Um, even the, yeah. even the, the computer that I'm using to look at you on um, was cheaper than the one I bought in 1996, or the one that I bought in 1989 when I got out of the army and went to college. So since we're kind of talking about uh, that and, and real, real quick, um, when you think about our industry, do, do you see compression? Since we're kind of talking about um, you know, that, do you, do, you see, do you see that? Or do you see people now just uh, appreciating the value of, of, of advice and you know, their, their lives are complex, and they still want to work with that with that professional that's going to get them where they want to go. So that's a man. That's a great question, Bill. Decompression is the boogeyman uh, in the closet that we 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 always talk about, and it's kind of like I've been saying they're going to raise interest rates since two thousand six. Okay, so I've been wrong. What does that make me wrong for fifteen years straight? <laughs> <laughs> you might get it this year. You're going to get it this year. <laughs> I'm going to keep saying it. I'm going to keep saying it, right? Like like the economist that, that that predicted, you know, seventeen of the last three recessions. So I was so I was sitting in the office in, in, with American Express financial advisors in 1997, and American Express rolled out this thing, and they said, "Hey, unlimited, free brokerage trades." And I remember these old dudes, because American Express was trying to implement financial planning, yeah. but the yeah. old dudes sold stuff. And they saw their value as the gatekeeper to financial services. Like, yep. you, you got to pay me to do a trade for you to buy 100 shares of IBM, because you can't. There's no way you can, Billy. So you got to pay me to do it, and that's how I make my money. And that's my value. Well, guess what? If you are the gatekeeper to anything right now, except financial wisdom, you are obsolete. You, I mean, right. you, are, you are the buggy whip now, unless you're in Amish country, but the, the, you're, you're, you're absolutely. So I remember these guys walking through the office, just these sour faces, like we are out of business. We might as well just quit now because the, our company just put us out of business. And you know what happened? Nothing, nothing, nothing happened. And so the commodity stuff, as it's given away, there's no value in it. So all, all these companies are doing is recognizing, look, there was no value in that. So um, I believe the compression is coming. And I talk to my team about this all the time. If, if uh, And I listen to a lot of the smart guys and they're like, okay, fee compression is coming and it's going to mean that you'll manage money for 50 basis points. I'm like, okay. So I'm either going to, my paychecks are going to get cut in half or I'm going to have to figure out a way to manage twice as much in assets. Because if I can double my assets, at 50 basis points, nothing changed, right. except, except, except maybe my workload. So that's, that is where I have to leverage technology um, and, uh, and again, try to scale results, not people. Because I don't want to, if, if, if I'm doing this, if the only way I can grow is it grow my revenue by one by adding a person 
I'm, I, it's not going to work. So I got to get uh, get to where I can do I can add one revenue and one tenth of a person or something like that. So right now you've got a radio show, yeah, and you have. Um, a, I know I get your newsletter, really good newsletter, by the way. Um, what are, what other things are you guys doing that you're seeing? kind of positive results in this new, you know, digital marketing type age that we live in. Yeah, so our, the, the radio show is a, 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 a cool story, at least it is to me, um, but I'm a little biased here. So in 2012, I sat down with Mike and Josh and I said, look, if we're going to change the world, we've got to change our approach. And so what I think we should do is start a radio show, just a local radio show, put it on the talk radio station in town, and do it on Saturday mornings from nine to ten, because that's when I'm drinking coffee and, and just hanging out at the farm and figuring out where how I'm going to be putzing around that day. And, and so I want to listen to something interesting. And so let's do it then. And we realized that we could record it anytime and just play it at that point in time. It, was like, it didn't have to be live. We didn't have to take call-ins. We're, we're not Dave Rams or anything like that. But we'll, and we didn't want it to be a one-hour commercial for our firm. We wanted to engage people and talk about the six areas of financial planning. So. Um, God did some really cool stuff and made it so that instead of it going live one, one of 18 and went live in September of 15. And, um, our first show that we recorded, uh, we were driving back, we recorded at the radio studio, we were driving back and I told these guys, I'm like, I have no idea what we just did, but we've made, <laughs> we have made a horrible mistake. I mean, <laughs> seriously. And I think we wrote a check for 26 grand for the year. And that 26 grand basically bought us $26,000 worth of advertising on the radio station, but it also allowed us to be on there for one hour on, on, uh, on Saturdays. And um, I, I seriously was ready to quit. It, I, I was embarrassed. And then um, <laughs> the next show we recorded, and it wasn't absolutely horrible. And then we recorded another one, and it wasn't absolutely horrible. And then we re-recorded the first one. And then we were off to the races. And I have, a partner, yeah, I have a partner, Mike Bernard, who is just awesome. And so he does a, a daily Next Wise Step video. Um, that came out of, uh, in March, April of 2020. Um, by noon, there could be about three weeks of things happen in any particular day. And I said, we have got to connect with our clients. We have got to. Like, they're wondering. And we do not... Um, it's kind of like if you had a pool business and you had 1,200 pools that you serviced and you serviced 100 a month, and then an earthquake came and all 1,200 had to crack in them. Like you, you're done. You can't do it. You so so he, I said, Mike, I I don't. I, this isn't going to sound great, but I just need you to be on the radio, uh, the uh, the YouTube every day and talk to people for five or ten minutes. And he has taken that and just absolutely killed it. Run with it. Yeah. And he's, so he's, he's just so good. Um, we've had to pull back with his client-facing responsibilities um, because there's some stuff that he is uniquely gifted to do. Um, but that, Billy, that has gotten us clients from all over the country. It is, it is incredible, um, almost every state in the country. And, and I would have never thought that that was possible, but it's, it, and, and, and at the very least, it, we're talking to our clients and educating them so our planning meetings are even better. Yeah. So I have to ask, uh, as a business owner, I can tell you I've made more mistakes than I've made good decisions. 
What was the one you look back on and you're like, man, <laughs> what was I thinking? <laughs> um, that, is, that is a great question. So I'm a, I'm a, I'm an optimist. Uh, so the, I, I'm, I'm the glasses all the way full kind of a guy. Um, I've made lots of mistakes. I probably the the mistakes that are the hardest ones um, are people mistakes. Um, and I've hired people that were not, uh, they, they were right people, right seat issues, or they were a core values mismatch. Um, that's what EOS has helped us do is we've identified our five core values and um, we're, we're much, much, much better at evaluating people. But, um, you know, the people on our team are all lovers and, and uh, they love people and they love to serve people. And the problem is if you, if you bring someone in who's not a fit the team are they're equal opportunity lovers they're going to love that person and so and they're going to be in in meaningful pain when that people has person has to leave the organization so i mean i could give you names but it probably wouldn't help <laughs> but i mean yeah they, I've, I've made equal mistakes because i'm a i'm a buyer not a shopper so if you showed up and said, hey, I'm looking for a job i'm like billy here here's a computer get to work you're like, well, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm like, dude, there's so much work to do. Start, do something. So that's my training program, which is which is horrible. And that's why they keep me out of HR. And um, they let the, the patient people who are willing to come alongside and train and do stuff. So I probably, it'd probably be um, people things. I, I tried early on to um, to partner with someone who was, it was, it was not a, a good fit. And we, um, we came to that conclusion and parted ways. Um, and so that was a, a bummer, but I have two partners now and, um, we, we are, we are opposites. So I am one way and those two guys are the other. And so, um, we are the perfect team. I, I just, I'm so blessed to work with these guys, but those are that, yeah, the, the mistakes. I don't, I don't regret, uh, in a, although I have lots of people tell me you're going to regret doing tax preparation. I think it's one of the best things you've ever done. I've had people say, you, uh, you know, we started our insurance agency. I had this guy who was actually a client, had an agency about an hour away from us. And, he, and I said, hey, you know, our goal is to write $300,000 of premium uh, in our first year. And he said, I can guarantee you, you will not write 300000 of premium in the first year. So we wrote 456000 And, um, <laughs> And so I've just, right. I mean, my whole career, I love it because I, I, I actually, it's helpful to me to have people tell me, look, there's no way you can do it um, because then you, you tell your mind, this is the end. Let's work backwards and figure out a way to do it. And so, and, and, it's, and it's fun. It's great. It's great fun. Last question, Kevin, I appreciate your time here. You have a lot of really valuable insight and I love your enthusiasm for the business. That being said, you know, there's a lot of other advisors that would love to be in your shoes. They're probably sole practitioners or, or, or likely in, in, you know, kind of where you were a, a few years back, obviously the industry is a little bit different now, but where do you see the opportunity? You know, if you were put back, let's say you're, you're 30 years old, 35, you know, you're starting out your practice, you're in full growth mode, and it's just you, what would you recommend that advisor should be spending their time on? And where do you see some of the opportunity, maybe a couple of key areas uh, in the business today that you think you would leverage if you were to to do it all over again, but starting off in, in today's world? Okay, um, so I'm going to channel my inner Jordan Peterson. And I would tell you, if you're, if you're that advisor, don't compare yourself to me. 
because um, for sure, if you want to play the comparison game, go ahead. It will steal your joy and kind of wreck you. It, it, it's, it's, not a, it's not a healthy thing to do. So don't play the comparison game. If you want to play the comparison game, compare yourself to who you were yesterday. That's it. That's, that's, that's the one comparison game you get to play. And read James Clear's book, Atomic Habits, and he talks about getting 1% better every day, right? So do that. And don't, don't look, do not look at someone who is, um, you know, when I, when I look at, a, you know, I used to look at Michael Jordan, he just shoot the basketball. You know, he was the greatest of all time. And um, I'm like, I can do that. And I go out on a basketball court and I take a shot and you know, I don't even hit the rim. And I'm like, oh, I, I'm not, a, he made it look easy though. I mean, that guy never even broke a sweat, right? He wins a championship playing with the flu. So I'd say, don't compare yourself to me. So if you're 30, you're that, you're, you're that maybe single spoke guy, or you got a, a halftime assistant or your wife's helping you or, or your husband's helping you or whatever it is. Um, this is what I would tell you to do. Just totally, I'm totally biased. This is an impossible business to get into. So I would go and find a firm like mine that pays you a salary and I'd get on salary and I'd get all the learning I could. I worked for a guy in our office for almost a year, two days a week doing financial plans for him because he was the first advisor with American Express Financial Advisors to ever bill out more than 100 grand of financial planning fees. And, and no one in our office would ever just even talk to him. And I saw him making copies one night and I'm like, Tom, what are you doing? He's like, well, Kathy left me, you know, she, she was his assistant. I'm like, well, dude, let me make your copies and you teach me how to do financial planning. And he looked at me and he's like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, I'm serious. I said, I'll, listen, I'll come work for you for free if you just teach me how to do financial planning. Um, and I already had an idea how, but basically what we did is we took the financial planning program and we um, recreated it in Lotus 1, 2, 3, um, which is the precursor to uh, Excel. Um, and so we, we created our own spreadsheets that did financial plans. So I learned that. So I would tell you if you're in your 30s, in the, in the grand scheme of things, you've got a 40-year career, or 50-year career ahead of you. Read Rick Edelman's book um, about the, uh, how long you're going to live. He says, look, you're going you're gonna to work to your 85 and die at 120, and you're going to have three distinctly separate careers. So look, we're going to work a long time. So what is it up front if you're investing in yourself? Go work for someone. This is a hard business to get into. Work for someone who has a model that you like. And then if you have an entrepreneurial desire in your heart, where you're like, I have to have my own business. I have to do it myself. And I've had guys say that. I'm like, well, dude, I'm, you and I are going to find the person that, you, that I can put you in their office and you can buy them out when they're ready to retire. Because I don't want, if you have an entrepreneurial drive and you have to have your own deal, like you should have your own deal. You should not work for me. <laughs> and I don't say, ever say anyone works for me. They work with me and we're all working for God. So, um, but that's what I tell you to do because there's so many opportunities. Like right now, we have a pooled employer plan, 401k, and we're bolting 401ks on left and right. This is an unbelievable opportunity, and no one knows about it, and lots of people are scared about it. So I'm like, man, you know, this is a, this is a great opportunity. Now, if you're 30 and you think you're going to make your living doing that, you're going to starve just out of love, unless you're, unless you're really well capitalized. If you're super well capitalized, do your own thing. Just go do your own thing. But I would say it's not worth it. Get, get yourself under a mentor who can show you and tell you what to do. And better yet, if that mentor hires you and equips you, um, you're, you're even, even better. And there's a number of people that have reached out to me and said, hey, 
uh, you know, I live in Grand Rapids, Michigan, which is two hours away, or Detroit, wherever. You want. I need an internship. Where should I go? And I said, well, if you if you want to learn how to do it better than any other firm in the world, come here, because uh, I just believe that. Um, and I'm sure there are some other people that are doing a great job of it, but I just believe in the in what we do and how we do it. So I would tell that person, there's so much. This is such a great business because once you get it, it doesn't. It may not feel like it if business development is a challenge. But I'm telling you, for the next seven or eight years, these baby boomers, these baby boomers are incredible. So they show up three to six months from retirement, a couple million bucks in the retirement plans, saying, hey, I want to retire, and I've never worked with a financial planner. It's unbelievable. Their results will be so much better if they worked with a financial planner for 20 years. <laughs> but but they have Yeah, so I'm telling you, for the next seven or eight years, if you're a certified financial planner and you do financial planning, you are a bear in that river in Alaska. And all you have to do is just, if you yawn, a salmon is going to jump in your mouth. <laughs> like you can't, you're not hunting salmon, right? They're jumping in your mouth. So I'm, I'm telling you, the, the, the river is that full of opportunities. So if you're not cashing in on those opportunities right now, get with a firm that can't keep up with those opportunities and learn how to do it. And then if you want to be on your own, be on your own. But I mean, you can make a great living. I mean, I, I love looking at our team and watching them uh, buy houses and buy cars and, and, and send their kids to private schools. And I mean, you know, some of the, the, the they, they live an elegant life. This We're overpaid in this business. Yeah. If you're in this business and you're listening to this, it's likely you're overpaid. I feel overpaid. I felt overpaid from the beginning. I would do this for free if I could. But I would say, okay, if that's the case, um, Learn, learn, invest, your best investment early on is in yourself. Invest in yourself, learn how to do it because you can take that learning and that will be your moneymaker for the rest of your life. So Kevin, you mentioned uh, James Clear. I first heard uh, a guy by the name of Dave Brailsford. Have you, uh, you, you know who he is? I know. He was, I know. Mentioned, he was mentioned at the cover of that book. And okay. he's now my, uh, my, I'm his biggest fan. He's the gentleman that started the English cycling program and coined the phrase, the uh, aggregation of marginal gains. It's the best thing I've ever heard. It's, 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 it's where I, I try to go every day. So um, I love it. I love it. I, I hung out with James Clear at a conference one time and uh, I just, I, I, I love it. I listened to his book one time. We'd been camping all weekend and uh, the boys have been listening to their music and we had a three hour trip home. And I said, hey guys, listen, you guys are gonna sleep anyways. I'm listening to this book. I wanted to listen to it for a long time. And I turned on that book and these guys stayed awake for three hours and listened to the whole thing. <laughs> we didn't get the whole book finished, but I mean, it's, it is, that book is riveting to either listen yeah. to or to read. And then and then it's gonna make you wanna change some things in your life. So so fun question, what's your favorite podcast? What's your podcast? You know, like if you go to one that you really get get behind. Oh, by far the Wise Money Show. The Wise Money Show? Yeah, of course. If you're a financial if you this are a financial if, if you're in this business, you have to listen to Kip, right? You gotta listen to Michael Kitsis. Um I I've learned so much and here's the cool thing. I don't I don't have to go and do it. And we cite back to these various episodes and we we talk about them. So, I mean, he brings this industry at a much higher level than it, than exists in most of our offices right into your office. And so I'm like, so you got to listen to Kitsis. And then I, 
you know, books, you know, after you're done reading the Bible, you should, um, the book I, I'm just finishing, and it's fascinating, it's called It Doesn't Have to Be Crazy at Work. Um, my son's a freshman at Notre Dame, and he's in a management class, and he said, Dad, you got to read this book. So I read this book, and it's, it, it, all of these books, they change you, right? It, 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 even incrementally, they're, they're working away, and they're, and they're forming you and who you become. But, um, so I, I try to read a book a week, and then I try to, um, keep up with, uh, um, the Michael Kitts' podcast. Um, and then I, I, I like other stuff. You know, I, uh, I like on, on YouTube, uh, different hunting and fishing things as well. So that's cool. That's cool. Well, uh, Kevin, it's been a pleasure. I, uh, again, my, we've known each other for a few years. I have uh, admired your work, you know, as, as a, as a broker dealer partner of yours and uh, think, think that you guys are doing a great job up there. So appreciate you uh, jumping on us today. And uh, man, we just can't, uh, hope to keep this going. So hope we can catch up soon. I love it, Billy. Thanks. I really, and I really appreciate you and your team and your team. It just keeps getting better. So keep up the good work, my man. Thank you. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Securities Registered Investment Advisory Services offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA, SIPC. Thanks for listening and we'll see you guys next time.